What's up, everyone? This is Joel Barsky with the Irish Chat Podcast. Our guest today is entrepreneur and podcaster Delaney Fisher. She co-hosts the Self Helpless Podcast and owns a couple of interesting companies too. I'm a big fan of her work, and I thought to give her a call just for a chat. Listen to us talk about her time being in stand-up comedy, a documentary special she created, and her Dicks by Delaney business. So enjoy our Irie chat as we say what's up to Delaney Fisher. Delaney Fisher, what's up? How you doing? Hey, what's happening? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Thanks for I'm having good. me. My pleasure. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of your podcast. I'm a big fan of your business, which we're going to get into. I'm a big fan of your stand-up. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I, I know you're in, uh, I believe you're in Los Angeles. So how's yeah. the whole quarantine situation over there? You know, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a weird time, man. It's a weird time. But, you know, we're kind of in the situation where like everybody is pretty much in a mask when you step outside and there's a line at the grocery store still and they're not going to let you in the grocery store unless you have a mask with you. Hmm. And, you know, so it's like, you know, everything seems fine indoors. And then when you kind of step outside, you're really reminded like what's going on. Um, but despite that, like I, you know, I'm very grateful. Like I feel, I feel pretty good, you know, despite everything that's happening and because I've been working for myself for like a year and a half or so, um, my day to day hasn't really changed much due to the quarantine and stuff since I was already working from home and running my own businesses and stuff. So I'm holding up. Okay. I kind of feel guilty <laughs> saying that, but like, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Yeah, <laughs> How yeah. about you? Where are you, where are you calling from or where are you in from? I'm from and live in South Florida, so I'm in, oh, I'm in okay. yeah, I'm in a small town, Boynton Beach, but it's the same thing. Like everyone's just being careful, and I'm wearing my mask. Everyone's else is wearing their mask, but yeah. it. I'll tell you, it's so hard to stay quarantined when it's so nice outside. When you have ah uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so agree to that big time. I've been going on a lot of walks. I go on like, you know, I walk for like three hours a day now because it's just. Oh, wow what else are we going to do? Yeah. Right? And you know, the, the weather is lovely in California as oh, I'm yeah, sure, okay. also in Florida too. So yeah, it's hard to stay inside when it's so beautiful. I totally yeah. get that. I want to start off with this interview talking about your standup. I mentioned I'm a big fan of your standup. Uh, you started it when you were 21. What got you into doing that? Yeah. So I started actually in college. Um, one of my best friends in school uh, kind of tricked me into taking this uh this like solo performance class with her at our we went to uc santa barbara and um the final for that class was like to write and perform an original monologue in front of a live audience which i did not realize at the time and i was very scared to do that so like (laughs) my friend like really kind of pushed me into this class thinking that i would i would be decent at it and um my monologue ended up kind of basically I was like doing stand up without realizing it. And so from there, that led me into kind of doing open mics. And hmm. when I graduated, then I really kind of like immersed myself in the Los Angeles comedy scene. And then I produced my own show and I started getting booked on, you know, other shows and comedy festivals. And I got a couple TV spots and all that. So it really all started in college though from my friend basically tricking me into doing it and you know lovingly pressuring me into it (laughs) how it happened (laughs) did did you do like improv too to prepare for it or you just jumped to stand up 
I, I started doing stand-up first, actually, and then I ended up mm. taking an improv class, I would say, maybe a year or so after I started doing stand-up. So stand-up came first, and I really, I tried everything as far as, like, comedy and entertainment. I was uh, doing improv, I was doing stand-up, I, you know, taken acting classes, and, you know, I wrote a, a movie that got picked up by Lifetime, I... Mm. You know, I've kind of like, I've kind of dabbled in, you know, writing, producing, performing, all those t- the different aspects of entertainment. So, yeah, but I started with stand-up. Stand-up was like the way I kind of got into everything. Well, I also saw that you retired from stand-up about a year ago, if I'm correct. So why do yeah. you want to make that move into your career? Yeah, so a couple, about two years ago, I stopped doing stand-up. You know what it was? I just kind of realized that although there's so much I love about the craft of doing stand-up and writing and all that stuff, the lifestyle just is not for me. Um, Hmm. I'm very much like a homebody. I like being in one place and staying in one place. I'll be honest, I don't really like to be on airplanes and public transportation. (laughs) That's super fun for me. And so the reality of like the stand-up lifestyle is like being out almost every night and being gone almost every weekend and really grinding in that way. And unfortunately, the lifestyle was making me really, really depressed, even Mm -hmm. though I really, I love the craft of writing jokes and editing jokes and performing and stuff. Um, But the kind of the negative stuff for me really outweighed the positive stuff. And it just kind of became, yeah, it just no longer made me happy. Hmm. So I knew I had to kind of like ease out of it. I knew I wanted to leave, but I I had been doing it for six and a half years at that point. And, you know, it was like my part-time income. And even though I had like a corporate day job in entertainment, I was still performing on nights and weekends and making money and stuff. Um, so I kind of had to ease out of it. Like the first thing I did was like, okay, I'm only going to like take shows that are within like two hours of my apartment. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I'll cut it down from there. And then it became like an hour outside my apartment. It was like 30 minutes. And so yeah. I slowly just kind of cut down over time. Hmm. And then by the time I kind of eased out of, uh, eased out of it that way, I kind of felt ready to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a very hard decision. It was a really hard decision because with stand up, like you grind so hard to kind of like make a name for yourself and get a, your foot in the door. And just as it was getting easier for me to make money and I was getting booked easier and all this stuff, I, I left. I left right mm-hmm. when it was kind of, you know, making yeah. it easy. But yeah, it just wasn't making me happy, unfortunately. Hmm. And I've seen uh, some of your stand-up I mentioned on YouTube, and you're you're hilarious. You're awesome. Even oh, on the podcast, you. you're hilarious. And you're, <laughs> you're hilarious all around. Um, do you ever see yourself maybe like wanting to go back to it or maybe trying it every once in a while just to make sure you're not rusty on it? <laughs> yeah, good question. You know, I as of right now, I don't have any intention of going back. However, it's really weird. I still write jokes. I still write jokes for myself the way that I was when I was performing. And so I, I am still kind of collecting bits, but I just don't perform them. So it's like this weird thing. Like, you know, I still have like that muscle mm-hmm. of, of my brain works, you know, that joke writing. But, um, you know, maybe at some point I'll do like an open mic for fun or something, but I don't see myself doing it anytime soon. 
honestly. Hmm. And if I did do an open mic or a show for fun, I probably wouldn't tell any bit, anybody about it. I would just go and just see how it felt. Um, and just like be on the down low with yeah. it. You know? um, Let me see if yeah. I can try this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or it's like, you know, maybe I'll just put those jokes out on Twitter at some yeah. point and call it a day. I'm not really <laughs> sure. Um, but it's weird to like stop doing something, but that part of my brain is still mm. very much like on, which is weird. So, yeah. Well, I think I saw it was either one of your final performance or maybe your final performance. You kind of had uh, a half special, half documentary going on that you call yeah. that's called Love at First Cousin. How'd you yes. get into that project? Yeah. So basically, when I knew I wanted to leave stand up, I I knew that I like needed to give myself a project to basically, you know, make this project happen and then move on. I'm very much somebody who like. <laughs> I like need some kind of graduation or certificate or something like that to say, okay, I did this thing. Now it's time to go to the next thing. And with stand up, like you don't really get that. There's no fucking yeah. graduation ceremony and shit. So be like, okay, yeah. hey, you're, you've done now. You've yeah. reached it. So I decided like, you know what? I'm just going to, I had this weird idea for a comedy special and like, I'm just going to write it and produce it myself. Mm -hmm. and make it happen and it'll just be like this project i made um so i can really move on from this so it was very much a you know self-funded independent passion project that i was like yeah i just i just want to run with this idea and bring it to life and then leave stand-up so it was kind of like my farewell to like stand-up comedy special mm -hmm. um yeah and it's all about uh it's yeah it's called love at first cousin and it's all about uh, romantic cousin relationships yeah. and there's interviews in between uh, stand-up comedy so yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely something that I'm like you know this is a kind of a different idea and I'm like I'm gonna make it happen so <laughs> no it's an it's awesome special thing it's like half an hour or something but you know you blend in your own stand-up yeah and, yeah and my favorite I guess skit that you mentioned is that you feel pressured uh, if you don't mind me spoiling it a little bit, that you talk a little about your, mo yeah. your mother who yeah. was in a relationship with a cousin and you just felt pressure to continue yes. that going on. The no, tradition. I <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, both my mom and my grandpa have dated uh, their first cousin before. Yeah. So I found that out as an adult. I'm like, oh my God, this is comedy gold. Like I have to do something <laughs> with this whole, you know that I'm basically part of this like cousin fucking family in a way. <laughs> and so that's, uh, that's basically, yeah, I was, I, I basically wrote that special. Um, it was really quick. I wrote all the material for that in the course of a two, three months while I was performing it. So like I was, I had some of the jokes already, but the majority of the material you see in that special was written as like okay i'm leaving stand-up in two months so mm -hmm. let me just write as much cousin material as i can and perform mm -hmm. it and test it out and get this thing done with so you know it was kind of uncomfortable in the sense that most comedians first comedy special is like an accumulation of like five years eight years ten years of mm -hmm. their stand-up career and it's all like their best a material jokes in one jam-packed special and that wasn't really the case for me. I had a couple older bits in there, but a lot of it was just new material to go with this like theme that I, you know, this idea that I had. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just kind of, uh, it's something that I, I, I put together relatively quickly. <laughs> hmm. Well, you mentioned that you were 
I guess you were writing it for two to three months. So did the whole thing from beginning to end was two to three months or was it longer than that? So from like the very first idea to having a finished product, I think was the total of about four months. So that's Mm -hmm. like edited and everything. Um, I was performing testing out material for a couple months while I was writing it. So for a couple months, I was writing and performing and testing jokes out and trying to piece this thing together. Uh, and then there were two filming days, the special, the, the stand-up part, and then the, the interview part. And then it was edited really quickly within like a week or two. Okay. So it was a very, very fast production. Um, and I had only run that's the whole like i mean i i performed on stage for uh i think i think 25 30 minutes of all that material Mm -hmm. i'd only i had only ran that whole set maybe twice before i performed Mm. it in front of the camera so it was (laughs) you know it was definitely not the usual process um for a special that's for sure I'm curious because one thing that was really unique is that you had couples that were cousins um, on the special too and just openly talk about their relationship and just confident that, yeah, this is someone I'm in love with. It's my cousin. How were you able to find these people? How were you able to convince them to get on the documentary and just talk about their relationship? Good question. So I wasn't able to convince them. So actually the people in the special are actors and, but they're real stories. So Mm. what happened was I, um, I found real cousin couples from all over the world. Um, I connected with them on different websites and stuff like that. And everybody wanted to share their love story basically, Mm. but nobody wanted to be on camera because they were so afraid. Mm-hmm. Because they realize like this is still very much taboo. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions about it. Um, we don't want to be like the victims of any like hate crimes or yeah. anything like that. And so I, I was like, wow, I like I want to figure out how to get these stories out because these are real people. Um, and, you know, their stories were like amazing with what they were dealing with. So I decided to um, basically hold auditions and I... I had a bunch of actors come out for a day of auditions and we pieced people together uh, that way to basically portray these real, cu- these real couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everybody you see is an actor and they were given like, this is the true story of y- y- this couple and you guys are going to portray that in an interview. Hmm. Yeah. But yeah. It's a, it's an awesome special or documentary. I think anyone that, wants to see it or curious like definitely watch it i'd recommend it it's just the your special alone is you're hilarious on the stand-up but yeah i i just kept on laughing thank you well besides doing (laughs) stand-up thank you so much i appreciate it you're welcome uh besides doing or besides the stand-up you also co-host a podcast called self-helpless with other comedians taylor tomlinson and kelsey cook who are your best friends how did that come together oh yes So this happened, we're coming up on, we've been doing the podcast almost three years and about three years ago, we had all been working together on a different project. We actually wrote uh, a TV pilot together and where we all basically wrote this pilot where we played sisters and we loved working with each other. We realized like 
we were all very type A kind of perfectionist type of like, you know, more like self-improvement nerds, yeah, yeah. Um, which is not usually the typical personality of a comedian. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And so we connected so well and we're like, we just want to keep working together in some mm. capacity, even if this project doesn't go through, what should we do? And then Taylor was like, what if, what if we start a podcast? I'm like, oh, I'd love to have a podcast. I've always wanted to have a podcast. Yeah. And then within a few days, we had um, Kelsey Cook had a podcast before Self Helpless. So she had the equipment. Mm-hmm. We, uh, you know, I threw out the name Self Helpless. You know, Taylor threw out some segment ideas. We recorded like two or three days later after we came up with the idea. And we started Self Helpless as just a fun passion project you know, as friends saying like, this is just fun because we all have the same interests. We're all very much interested in self-help and self-improvement and personal development. Like, let's just, let's just bring like a very uncensored real approach to those topics and mm-hmm. see what happens. And so unbelievable, the kind of life it's taken on, you know, yeah. it's definitely taken on a life of its own over the course of three years. We would have never thought it would have grown you know, to be what it is today. Really yeah. very cool. Yeah. yeah. You have some great guests on there and just you three alone are amazing and funny too. And what I find interesting is that each of you brings kind of your own expertise on the podcast and trying to do self-help um, for the listeners. You actually specifically provide dating and career advice. So why do you want to focus on those topics? Yeah, you know what? I think I focus on those topics because I've been the biggest hot mess in those topics. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like um, between myself, Kelsey, and Taylor, I feel like I've had maybe the most trial and error in those hmm. topics where I, I out, of, out of us three, I've definitely dated the most people and have, have had the most failed relationships, I would say. Um, same thing with like, I've, as far as career goes, I have tried so many different things. I have felt so lost and so all over the place. And now to be in a place where I love my career, I love Mm -hmm. what I do. I finally feel like I figured out like what I should be doing. Hmm. And I'm in an amazing relationship. Um, Mm -hmm. getting, you know, getting married next year and everything. And so I think, um, I realize how, um, how shitty it can feel (laughs) when you don't feel like you're dating the right people or with the right person, or you feel like you're a really hard worker, but you just don't know where to put that energy to like make your dream career happen or, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't even know what you want to do. And so I kind of like focusing on those areas because I feel like I've had the biggest transformations for myself in those areas. Yeah. um, Specifically. So, yeah. And I find it funny that you, well, not funny, but interesting that you, or openly talking about that stuff. And you out of I'll say just from my opinion, from what I've listened to the podcast and interviews, that out of you all three of you, you are probably when I noticed more open in talking about your relationships and <laughs> kind of have a more open mind. Right. I'm an overshare, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> I was like, hey, she sounds she seems like she's an open minded person. <laughs> yes indeed. Yes indeed. <laughs> Well, another role that you have on your resume is being a CEO of a company called Dix by Delaney. Do you want yes. to share what that company is and how it got started? Oh my gosh, yes. So Dix by Delaney is this insanely ridiculous hobby that I started in 2015. Um, I was still very much into stand-up at the time. I was I was performing all over. 
and mm -hmm. I got invited to a comedian's like holiday party and they're like, yeah, just like, you know, basically bring a homemade gift for the, the gift exchange game that we were going to do. And so I just took a blank, I took a white coffee mug and I painted a bunch of colorful penises on this coffee <laughs> mug as a joke. Cause I'm like, what else, what else am I going to bring to a comedian a holiday yeah. party? They're not going to care, right? Yeah. Um, so I brought this mug and people ended up loving this mug. It like, it got stolen, you know, three times in the, in the game, like the most amount of times it could get stolen. Uh. People were asking like, who made this? Like who brought this? I'm like, yeah, yeah I yeah. You know, made the dick mug. I don't know. <laughs> so weird. And then before I left that party, one of my friends was like, Hey, if I give you some money, will you make a set of these dick mugs for my home? And oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like yeah. I was never, I never planned on making those ever again. Yeah. Yeah. And so from there, it was just kind of word of mouth that like friends and family were ordering these like dick mugs from me, <laughs> mm -hmm. like a, a joke. Um, and so that kind of turned into me like turning uh, celebrities and characters and like friends and family into mm -hmm. cartoon dicks mm -hmm. uh, on dishware. And um, from there, I, you know, I got my own website. I set myself up as a business and this hobby was, you know, I had this hobby for a few years before I realized, oh my gosh, this is what I can use to get me out of stand-up and mm -hmm. get me out of the day job I didn't really like at the time. I'm going to really put all my eggs in the Dick Spy Delaney basket <laughs> and like really try to make it a real business. And so mm -hmm. uh, within a year of doing that, I was able to leave my day job to do Dick Spy Delaney full time. And now, um, not even like almost two years later, I have a team, I have an assistant, I have two cartoonists, we now sell digital products. So basically, <laughs> we sell digital dick cartoons, people will submit like a description and photos of a loved one. And we will turn them into uh, dick cartoons yeah, <laughs> that yeah. they, they can basically print on anything. So people print them on mugs and shirts and pillows and all kinds of stuff. So definitely, um, yeah, crazy process. But that's what enabled me to uh, leave my day job and leave stand-up. That's how I kind of pivoted out of there. Something I saw is, or heard that was interesting was in a previous interview, maybe a couple of years ago, you did you were talking about the business. And I think at the time when you started it, it was just you. And then you mentioned that in a couple of years, you would, your goal is to actually have other people um, yeah. pay other people to do it. And you mentioned that you have artists now doing it yeah. and stuff. So I mean, since that was your goal a couple of years ago, do you have new goals set out for your business a couple of years from Ooh. today? That's such a good question. Oh my gosh, such a good question. With Dicks by Delaney, I just think the goal there is to just continue to hire up and coming artists. Like I love the fact that our cartoonists are like, you know, pursuing their dreams. Like one of them wants to be an animator. The other one is like an incredible watercolorist. And so for me, my vision with Dick Spy Delaney is just to be able to grow enough to continue basically, yeah, supporting artists and mm -hmm. cartoonists and stuff. So like my vision is just to have as many artists working for Dick Spy Delaney as possible. And basically for us to send these things all over the world, which we've been doing, you know, for a little yeah, while yeah. now. And just to kind of see it grow from from that that core value of just like spreading laughter and supporting artists is is kind of the vision there. And I, I looked at the website and the the images on the on the mugs are awesome. I, I def, after this interview, I actually want to sign or buy one or 
put my photo up or something. But yeah. I'm just curious of how it works because I saw something like if someone sends you, I guess, two images of themselves, you'll have them yeah. like drawn out or the image on a mug. So I'm just curious of how that whole process works. Yeah, so right now um, we have like, if you go to dicksbydelaney.com, we have a little form that you fill out and you just basically upload a couple photos of the person that you want turned into a dick. <laughs> and then uh, you just answer a couple questions and, you know, submit payment. And then that order is sent to our, our cartoonist and they create uh, basically um, a digital illustration of that mm -hmm. person and then we email it to you and then we also direct you like hey if you want to get this printed on something here's a resource to do so and then you mm -hmm. can take that image and print it on whatever you want so our customers have printed them on like somebody printed it on a birthday cake recently um you know wedding invitations yeah, yeah. pillows t-shirts uh oh my god just framed, you know just hilarious i you know phone covers like they've done such such like such creative stuff with it yeah, yeah. Um, and we will eventually have we will probably be launching our own like um our own little shop through dicks by delaney of things that are like ready to ship so mm -hmm. um more like holiday type of stuff and more like you know more evergreen designs like that those will be available for you to just like buy the coffee mug or buy the t-shirt mm -hmm. um, but if you want the custom design that's going to be like an artist is making that, you know, especially for you. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's just kind of a kind of a cool like collaboration between us um, and the artists and also like our customer gets to be creative too with thinking about how they want to use it. Somebody like made a whole coloring book for their friends what? by like turning them all into dick cartoons and then putting a whole like book together. I mean, <laughs> really, really creative stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I love that part of it. We're like, we're inviting other people to be creative with yeah, us. Yeah. You know, it's really fun. <laughs> I want to buy a couple of mugs and give it to my family of an image of me for the. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, another favorite. One of our like people will will turn themselves into a dick mm -hmm. and then gift it to other people as like, sorry, I've been a dick gift. I mean, <laughs> such funny, funny, creative things yeah. that people are doing with these. I absolutely love it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that, that it, it does sound like it's a good, like, apology gift. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Everybody needs a sorry I've been a dick yeah. gift. I, <laughs> I like that. For sure. <laughs> well, besides having this business, another business you have is a consulting company. So yeah. would you like to share what that's about for our listeners? Absolutely. So what happened was um, when I launched Dicks by Delaney and it became successful enough where I could leave my day job, other like artists and entrepreneurs started reaching out to me saying, wait a minute, how did you like, how did you make this happen for yourself? Can you help me like mm -hmm. turn my hobby into a business as well? Mm -hmm. And so it kind of organically led, you know, the launch of Dicks by Delaney kind of led me into this consulting business that I really hadn't planned on doing. And so now um, I've been doing that a little over a year and I help small business owners, comedians, and podcasters basically start and scale their projects and businesses. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of just all happened organically. And the kind of results I give people are, you know, the things that I've been able to do for myself. Like I've been able to, you know, start a small business that, you know, paid my bills so I could leave my day job. Mm -hmm. um, in the, our podcast is doing very well. And I was a comedian for a long time where I was getting paid work and I was getting on TV and stuff. And so I basically help people um, the same with the same things, you know, that I've helped myself uh, build. Mm -hmm. 
So those are the three types of clients that I have. And um, as far as small business owners, I help people who have product-based and service-based businesses. So yeah, that's my, um, that's kind of like been my main job almost like the last year, I would say, which really kind of took the forefront. And that's why I really needed help getting people to help me run Dick's by Delaney is because I love consulting so much and I like helping other people bring their dream job to life. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of been my focal point uh, this last year, even though I have these other businesses, Dick's by Delaney and the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, my, my consulting work is probably something that it's probably the thing I love doing the most. Yeah. Well, if uh, anyone's interested in the consulting company or your consulting company services, yeah. they'll they'll look through your website. And I noticed on there's a video, and I also mentioned on the front page, you mentioned that if you're offended by swear words, then this <laughs> isn't a course for you. So why is that something to mention to potential clients? Oh, such a funny question. Uh -huh. So yes, I do have an online course. It's called the Thriving Artist Course, and that was a result of me starting the consulting business. Um, and that is basically a course, like a step-by-step -step course for anybody who wants to turn their hobby into profits. So mm -hmm. if you bake cookies or you paint or you make sculptures or you knit sweaters, whatever it might be, I share with you step-by-step -step how I turned my hobby of painting penises on coffee <laughs> mugs into a real business. And so yeah. that course came about me consulting with people. I'm like, oh, I keep I noticed I kept saying the same things over and over again. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I need to put this into like video form and, and give it to people that way. Mm -hmm. So the reason I say like, Hey, like if you're offended by swear words, this course is not for you is because, you know, if anybody, if anybody's <laughs> heard me speak before, like, yeah. you know, people who listen to the podcast and yeah. stuff, I'm a quite an uncensored person. I hmm. definitely share a lot of personal stories and stuff. And that is no different from my course with my course. Like if I say, holy shit, you have to do this. It's amazing. Yeah. I don't want somebody to be like, Ooh, I didn't, you know, yeah. <laughs> make me feel comfortable. Like that's not somebody who's probably going to feel super comfortable taking my course. Hmm. And therefore, you know, I might not reach that, that type of person and that's okay. They're probably meant to go somewhere else. So I just kind of like to let people know what they're getting into with me that I am not your typical business consultant or business coach mm -hmm. like I am very I can be very blunt I can be very uncensored and mm -hmm. I will share my most embarrassing mistakes with you so you do not make the same ones and I I think for me that's how I like to learn like mm -hmm. I like to I like to hear somebody's personal experiences um, so I can plug those into my own life and so that's the way that I teach I'm not I'm not like a general vague type of person i'm like hey this is here's what i think you should do this is what i did this is how i messed up here you go so um yeah that's what you get with me what yeah. you see is what you get <laughs> <laughs> well, for our listeners is there like a maybe a, a small sample or a tip that you can share that you usually give for your course that you may i guess convince them to sign up for any of your services oh that's a good question well the course is um for the, the feedback I've gotten from students who have taken the course, the course takes about eight weeks to finish if you have a full-time job. Um, however, it really depends on like how much time you you have to devote to it. Mm -hmm. um, for me, like, man, all there's, uh, this might sound a little cocky, but I think there's so many good tips in that course that mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of just like, just a common theme that um, 
my clients and students have uh, the kind of biggest issue with. You know what I think a lot of people kind of, especially now, kind of get stuck on is this idea of like the follower count on social media. People get so obsessed with having a certain amount of followers and stuff like that. And one of the tips I kind of talk about in the course is I really tell people not to focus on the followers. You, you got to focus on like the real people and the real sales that you are getting Mm -hmm. um, out of your business. Those, the people that you serve, the follower account will grow organically as Mm -hmm. you kind of step into your own and like you're sharing the stuff that you're, that is important to you. Um, But I think for me, the tip that I think is pertinent right now with social media is um, you know, you're not running a popularity contest, you're running a business. And so right. yeah. there, I personally know people that have, I know, I know somebody who has a million followers on social mm-hmm. media who cannot pay their rent. And I know somebody oh. with less than 500 followers on social media who charges $10,000 for every meeting that they have. Hmm. So I like, I, I kind of present things to people in a, in a more simple way where it's like, don't worry about all this fancy kind of aesthetic stuff people got going on. Really focus on what's actually happening, the reality of what's happening in your own business. Um, so I'll kind of just leave it, leave that. That's not really yeah. a tip, but I, I think a lot of my clients right now are getting stuck on the social media numbers and they absolutely should not be getting stuck there. So yeah, no, that's good knowledge to know. Like, I would never have assumed like someone with a million follower followers would have trouble paying the rent. And it, that's if right. someone with a million followers, you're like, oh man, this person must have a like a rich lifestyle. Killing it, right? It's yeah. exactly. That's the thing. Is like you know what matters is like yeah, followers are great, but if those followers are not, you're not able to roll them over into your business. Mm-hmm. That's not going to help you as a business owner. And so yeah. I like to get straight to the point. My goal as your, you know, consultant or in this course, I want to get you clients and sales as quickly as possible. We go Mm -hmm. straight to the source. Hmm. We get you working immediately. I don't need you to set up a fancy website and a fancy this and have all the things. I get your ass out there working immediately into Mm. the thing that you love doing. I do not wait. Everything else falls into place later, but we really get like, if, if your dream job is, you know, you want a hit podcast, we, we make that happen. Like we get you into podcasting immediately. There's hmm. no waiting around. There's no planning. There's really just doing. So um, I guess that's kind of my, my approach. That's how I've done what I've done is, you know, you don't overthink it. You just make it happen and the rest kind of falls into place, you know. I have a couple of listeners that I know that would personally would love to take this course. So for those who oh, cool. they know who they are that I know, yeah, yeah please take this course. You're hearing it now. <laughs> Immediately when you get off this, buy a, a, a Dick's by go to Dick's by Delaney and buy a mug and then <laughs> sign up for the course. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, Delaney, we're at a recurring segment in this podcast called Words of Wisdom. So this question is, share with us a quote that you strongly live by and tell us why. Ooh, oh, so good. Oh my God, there's so many. I, I, um, I struggle with perfectionism big time. So hmm. I'm always constantly listing off several quotes in my head to kind of pull myself out of that. And one that I continuously repeat to myself uh, when I find myself getting stuck on like obsessing about something really small, I just ask myself, Will this matter in five years? Will this matter in five years that I'm obsessing over 
what color to put on, you know, the highlight bubble on my Instagram. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this is not going to matter. Instagram will probably be gone in five yeah, years. Yeah. Who knows? And so I, that, those are the types of things I tell myself to really pull myself out of that like perfectionism spiral. Hmm. And, an, and another thing I do is not really a quote, but really like when I feel really nervous about something, especially when it comes to trying something new, mm-hmm. I just look at, I look at past evidence um, when I've tried something new in the past and how I felt and what ended up happening afterward. And that always is really comforting. It's like, okay, I know I'm really nervous to like, you know, do this next project. But remember when I was really nervous to like try stand up for the first time and like mm-hmm. how that felt and like what, what happened after I just pushed through and I kept doing it and I'll have to do the same thing with this. And it's okay to be nervous and scared and totally freaked out when mm-hmm. you try something that's totally normal. Um, so I'm kind of always just doing that to myself where I'm like, I'm trying to constantly zoom out, um, of my, you know, my, you know, I get really nitpicky with stuff. So I'm always trying to look at the bigger picture. That's good advice. I I, I think I have like some OCD because I, I look, I focus a lot on like those colors when I'm doing like my, my postings or something like I'm not feeling the shade and I'll go back to it. And, or if there's like a second or two in my podcast that, I don't like a sound in the background. I yes. have to like go back to it and maybe take another hour of editing and all that stuff. But yeah, I need to ease up on that perfectionism. Yeah, you got to ease up. You got to ease up on it. If and and it's so hard. I know it's so mm. hard to do. But like, I mean, I remember like obsessing over like how to organize the paints that I was using to like paint my dick mugs, and I'm like, I obsessed over that so much and now i don't even hand paint mugs anymore you know what i mean it's like i spent so much time on a thing that i'm not even it evolved into something totally different and so i'm always kind of reminding myself like snap yourself out of this like Hmm. this spiral you know thank you Uh, yeah before we wrap is there anything you want to share with our listeners um i you know i just want to say like hey whatever the hell you want to do you can do it i mean i really believe that as somebody who's like if i can make money selling pictures of penises mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah, yeah. if i can make a living doing that i really want people to know that you can you can do whatever you want like that weird interest that you have that unique skill that thing that you're drawn to just allow yourself to do it and play with it and don't worry so much about the outcome right away. Just like allow yourself to have fun with it and explore your creativity and your interests. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that for our listeners, but Delaney, thank you so much for doing this interview and joining us on the Ari chat. I'm a big fan. I'll continue uh, listening to the self helpless podcast. Uh, definitely for our listeners, catch that uh, documentary special or uh, the comedy. <laughs> se- it's on YouTube, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. on YouTube. You can watch it for free. It's called yeah. Love at First Cousin. Love at First Cousin. <laughs> it's an awesome special, and I'm definitely gonna get a Dicks by Delaney mug. I'm I'm gonna get on that today. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious. I'm like, Wonderful. how would it look a picture of me as a, a penis shape? I'm, I'm curious <laughs> how, how would that well, look? Well, we'll help you find out. We will do that for you. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, Delaney Fisher, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for joining us on Irie Chat, and best of luck on everything. Thank you. You're so welcome. It was really fun. Thanks for having me on, and best of luck with the show. Our iRechat with Delaney Fisher. Make sure to subscribe to the Self Helpless Podcast 
and catch her on all our socials. You may find more info in the show notes. Please rate our podcast and let us know what you think of it. I hope you stay safe under quarantine. To keep yourself occupied, go ahead and catch our other episodes. Thanks for listening to our Irie Chat, and I'll see you soon.